Three, two, one, go. Hey, it's Bibster and the Ginger Podcast, and continuing our interviewing series of for mentioning Bib. Let's say let's say Ginger's at dinner now. He was at he was at lunch last time, I think. Um, anyway, we'll have him back on quick. But again, we're doing our interview series, and this week I'm privileged to have Jerry Rosa from Rosa Strainworks. Um, if you are on YouTube and you've wondered what it what it takes to put put an instrument back together that's been run over by a car, this would be the channel. Um, Jerry, want to introduce yourself and kind of. Uh, Explain to the listeners, you know, like who you are and kind of what and what you do. Okay. My name's Jerry Rosa. I've been uh, building and repairing musical instruments since about 1983. Uh, I took an interest in learning to play music about age 29, which was just a couple years earlier than that. And I was looking to buy a real good, high-quality instrument, and they're just – we're few and far between. And uh, so finally, uh, when I really decided I couldn't afford what I really wanted, I made up my mind that I was just going to build my own. Mm -hmm. uh, It just kind of grew into a business over time. And uh, once I built one, then people said, Hey, you know, I've got this instrument here. Uh, You know, it's similar to that there. Uh, Could could you fix this on mine? And Mm -hmm. I'd say, well, yeah, I think so. You know, and it just kind of grew into a huge repair service. And then, you know, I've along the way also built, uh, well, I don't know, 40 plus instruments. I don't know the exact number, okay. roughly, roughly 45 total. And that's what I mean, for the listeners that might not be um, like, know what is what, what kind of instruments are you ta- that ha- have you built? Well, I, I'm pretty strictly acoustic, first okay. of all. Uh, so, and most of my repairs are acoustic, mm-hmm. although I do work on a few electric instruments. Um, but I mostly do acoustic uh, mandolins and uh, guitars. Uh, I build about uh, oh, close to a half dozen fiddles as well. Okay. And, um, you know, so it's mostly those three instruments. I've uh, built most of, a, of an upright bass. Uh, I built a whole top and many of the other parts for one. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done quite a bit of work on just about all the stringed instruments, including cellos and pretty much everything that has strings on it. I always say I work on everything uh, that has strings smaller than a piano. <laughs> That's a pretty good way. Yeah, I think a piano... I, I mean, a piano repair guy, that's not exactly, that's usually you're going there. Not many, there's not a lot of walk-in customers that are bringing the grand piano in. Can you fix this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't want to go get it either. No, <laughs> so. no. There's a reason why if you want a piano, you can find them for free if you're willing to move it. Because every day there's like 100 pianos on any of the websites. Hey, free, right. you can come pick it up. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. But um, what, uh, so you started in 83 and obviously that was not, you know, doing guitar work was not your full-time job. You were doing things outside of that. Um, no, I worked uh, I worked for uh, Southwestern Bell, AT&T now is what they call it. Okay. Actually, it was AT&T when I first started. Then it, then they split it off. The government did, you know, broke mm-hmm. it all up. Yeah. And then, uh, then it all kind of came back together. So I was around for all of that. I uh, retired in 2001 at age 46, which was kind of an early time to retire. But... But then in 2001, starting then, about or just a little bit after that, then I kind of went full time into the repair business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I in a way, I was really working full time in two jobs. I was yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a workaholic. And and like when I would get home from Bell, I'd start working on repairs, you know, and mm-hmm. pretty much, that's pretty much was my life. I'm, I've always been that way. My 
my family jokes and says I never was a kid, you know, and, and that's kind of true. Um, my dad made me start working when I was very young. Um, like I, you know, most kids would go play during the summer and have a great summer. Well, I cut grass mostly. My dad had a lawn service and he made me, you know, get on a lawn tractor and cut grass. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I did for the whole summer every, every year from about fourth grade on. Nice. So, well, and it's still that kind of work. I mean, if you if you start to watch your YouTube channel, you see because it's not just there's not just guitar repair stuff. Like you also kind of you've kind of documented right. things you've done around your ranch there. Now, um, right. on the YouTube side, what made you you know so you retired in 2001, kind of going full time into the repair business? What was the change to start? Was it that you were just trying to document the work you were doing? Um, well, you know. I, now that I think about it, it's a good question because I'm, I'm not exactly sure what did get, get me into it. Mm-hmm. I think I think I, um, you know, I think it was a couple of things. I thought, you know, I, I think people will find it interesting. Number one, and number two, I thought, well, you know, a lot of people uh, don't know how to do some of this stuff, mm-hmm. and I think it'll help. I think it might help a lot of people. And then I think third, there was probably an aspect of. Maybe I had heard that you could make a little more money that way. I think I, well, now, now that I think about it, I think the honest tr- uh, answer on that is that I thought about the advertising aspect and yeah. I thought it might bring, bring me more business, you know, mm-hmm. is what I would think. It wasn't so much making money on YouTube, but but actually getting advertising from YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of a way to, especially, and it still is now, you know, we talk about, I've talked to other YouTubers how it was, you know, Back in like the 2010, 11, and 12 era, it was kind of the wild west of like kind of anything and everything. And and then there right. was a certain point where the money was flowing like you know riches, and then they kind of dialed it back lately because of the fact yeah. of you know they were they kind of I think they had kind of overreached in some in some ways. But um, yeah, it's a great way if you're you know for businesses and a lot of you know you see it a lot of times. Now, I mean, nowadays there's not a company that produces something that doesn't have a YouTube channel that goes along right. with it. Basically, and, and you know, for you, obviously it's brought your, I mean, I don't know your numbers, but it seems like YouTube has brought your business up, you know, oh, yeah. even the now, last few no years. There, yeah, there's no question. It's, it's really Im- improved things in terms of business. It's actually, <laughs> you know, it's like the, uh, the old adage of uh, be careful what you wish for. Well, yeah. you know, it, I kind of have reached that point. It's like, Oh wow! Yeah. How do I turn? How do I dial this back now? You know, because yeah. it's uh, and you know it, I'm a one man shop, and in one of the questions or comments I get all the time is, well, you know, why don't you get some help? Well, you know, that's it's easy and it sounds easy, but you know, my dad had help the whole time I was growing up. I mean, he had a lot of people working for him, and mm-hmm. I saw. I saw all the headaches with that. Yeah. Number one, it's it's not all peaches and cream. No, no, <laughs> and, no. and number two, with this specific type of business and also with the crazy location where I live, in other words, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. You've, you've heard of going to the boondocks. Well, I don't know if I live in the boondocks, but you can see it from here. You know? <laughs> That's a good and, point. And so it's kind of that kind of thing. I'm way out in the middle of nowhere, so the, the population base is pretty small to draw from, number one. Yeah. And then number two, if you did get somebody you could count on, just about the moment they learn everything, they're going to be gone. So oh, six yeah. months – Six months to a year, they're going to say, well, I don't need to work for you. Uh, I can go do this on my own now, you know. So basically, all you're doing is training somebody to compete with you, you know. Yeah. And 
which and that doesn't bother me because there's plenty of work for the competition. But on the other hand, it's just it's just more hassle than it's really worth, you know. Yeah, and it's it it's, really it's kind of a and I completely see your point because I think a lot of people assume like, oh, I need to. You know, I I want to have I need to hire people so I can build a bigger business. But at the same time, it's a headache. And how much more? You know, yes, you can you can get more work out the door, but you're right. you're then your bottom line is higher. Suddenly, you're right. paying another guy's wage. And not only that, like, you know, then you're thinking like, right now for you, you're like, if things slow down, it's just me. Like, I'm the one that's affected. You know, if and whatever. Right. You know. But then you're like, oh, I got this other person that maybe has a family, and then all of a sudden that thought of exactly. like, oh, you know, versus just being like, this is as busy as I can be. Yes, I might have to turn some work away or tell people like, hey, you know, right. it's going to be a little bit to get your repair done, which I think it's exactly which I don't think there are very few guitar players that when something does happen to their guitar, they don't have another one. I mean, we've I've talked to other YouTubers about or other guitar players about gas, you know, gear acquisition syndrome, where it's like there's never been like, oh, no, this is my only one. You know, usually you're like, well, I can send this one off away and get fixed. Well, here's the other one, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's usually the case. But uh, anyway, it, it pretty much just for me and for and you know at my age, I just uh, think I'm I'm it, you know. Yeah. And I don't I don't really see adding anybody else here. It's just too much trouble and too much hassle. I do have my buddy, a uh, good friend of mine that actually I worked at with him at Bell also, Ron, who comes in and helps build some of the parts for me, you know. Okay. Um, but he just he just does a one thing. Uh, you know, he makes those deer antler saddles, which. You know, actually, I didn't really say that at the beginning, but the deer antler saddles is actually what really launched the business. Okay. okay. Um, uh, back, if you if you want to hear about that, I uh, I was playing in a lot of bands, you know, and and we were we played two weekends in a row up up in Iowa, mm-hmm. and people would come up to me and say, "Why do your mandolins, you know, why are they so loud and so clear and you know all this stuff?" And I said, "Well, part of it's because I build my own and." Secondly, it's these deer antler saddles. It gives you so much more volume. Well, two weekends in a row, I ended up selling the deer antler saddle. And if you don't know what a saddle is, it's what holds the strings up mm-hmm. off of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so two weekends in a row, I sold the saddle right off of my mandolin and had to go back and make them. <laughs> so, so I had to go remake my own, you know. And yeah. so I thought, you know, I wonder if I could sell these. So I put... At that time, Bluegrass Now, or not sorry, Bluegrass Unlimited was the only publication in Bluegrass that I knew about. And uh, anyway, it, it was a very small subscription. I think it only had 28,000 subscribers at that time. Mm-hmm. But I, I put one little ad, just a little tiny ad in the magazine, and it was $150. I'll never forget. And I thought, boy, $150, that's a lot of money to spend. <laughs> I mean, back in the early 80s, that was a lot oh, of yeah. money. That was that was like spending a thousand dollars today, you know. Yeah, it seemed like, yeah. or at least it seemed like it, you know. Not, maybe not quite that bad, but it was it was like that. So anyway, I my wife even said, "You're not going to spend that much money on that," you know. I go, "Well, I'm going to try it one time." So I did, and you know, on that hundred and fifty dollar ad, I sold uh, almost twenty five hundred dollars worth of those deer antler saddles. Now <laughs> keep in mind. I was only charging $9.95 for them at the time. Jeez. So think, think of how many I sold. Yeah, that's you a know? lot. That's, that's a bunch. And my mailbox was stuffed every single day. It was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so what happened was I ended up with customers in all 50 states almost immediately. And then I also had customers, I think, in 17 countries at that time. Well, the – 
the problem with that is where do you get your deer antler? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was like it was like going out being a gold prospector and you find the gold except that you just can't quite reach it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just slightly out of your reach and there's nothing you can do about it. And yeah. that's kind of the way it was. I found the gold there, uh, but I can't get enough deer antler to keep the gold going, you know, going, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was, it was a mess. Uh, and, uh, so I quit advertising those uh, and then I still sold them. I probably still sold a couple of months, uh, for the next, I don't know, 10 or 11 years after that, even though I couldn't get the deer antler. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and, you know, on that one ad, basically. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. But yeah, so did, did you get did some of that, you know, some of those customers that you got from building the saddles, is that kind of what uh-huh. based your, you know, some of your repairs from that? Or was repairs more of yeah. like local musicians bringing stuff in? Kind of grew that kind of grew the business. Then I started putting out a, a magazine, or I'm, I'm sorry, a little catalog that had strings in it, and uh, you know I started selling strings and accessories, you know, uh, uh, capos and uh, tuners and just miscellaneous things, you know. And, and I just published my own little catalog, and it was going big and going good too. And and it, but it just got to be quite a bit of work. And there's there's much more overhead in retail sales in a very very small profit line. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and so I, you know, and then the internet hit, well, then I really couldn't compete anymore. So I I dropped, pretty much dropped that line of business. I don't know, in the mid nineties somewhere about the time the internet got going good, you know? And uh, anyway, so it just kind of evolved now then into this online business, uh, you know, where people see it that way. And, And it's really, really done well. I, you know, I can't hardly say enough about how well that's done and how, how much it's grown. And, and, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's so many, you know, the, what the negative side of it, if you will, is the the troll side of it. And oh, there's yeah. so many channels get just bomb blasted with trolls, you mm-hmm. know, and, yep. and just get nailed. And I, I had a, I've had a little bit of up and down with that, but not that bad, really. On a, on a percentage basis, I'd say 99% of mine's really good, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And just a 1% little margin there, if, <laughs> if, if that even, that yeah. uh, gives me any trouble, you know. And, and, as, and a lot of times, and another thing that happens a lot in this, <laughs> that is the people, they, I have kind of a non-traditional approach to this whole thing, you know. It's just like you said it's just wood it's wire wood and glue you know yep. that's what makes an instrument that's all there is to it you know mm-hmm. it's not much more complicated than that and and so i treat it that way where other people had this kind of reverence for the whole process you know and um anyway and so when the people come in fresh they, they haven't maybe they've only seen one video uh-huh. well they they're they're kind of blown back and they're kind of drastic sometimes they'll say things like i can't believe you do xyz and da 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 you know and then and then they see more of the videos and they see more of the videos and then they start going wow i take back everything i said yeah. you know and, and they kind of they kind of see the whole picture then you know what i mean yeah and yeah. And, and and then they become subscribers and fans you know mm-hmm. and very very loyal fans actually i've really had wonderful wonderful acceptance really yeah i think you know i think that's such a good point because you know i've seen some of your videos where it's like you know there'll be you know like when i joked about the beginning of the podcast where it's like instruments run over by cars you've said that and i'm pretty sure a couple of those upright bases you've done 
I think we're ran over by cars. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you know. Well, actually, and this is the truth. I, <laughs> I, well, I have had them run over by cars. And I had, a, I had an upright base just before I started. And I truly wish I had this one on video and I don't. But just before I started, I had a lady uh, who actually was in my band, believe it or not, and played bass in my band. And she was moving and she set her bass back somewhere and she didn't realize it. And her moving truck backed over the neck oh. of it and, and broke the neck in half. Yeah. And uh, I was able to scarf joint that all together. And, and really, you could hardly even tell it when I got done. Mm-hmm. And she just loved it. And, and she played it another eight or nine years. And then she ended up having brain cancer, the poor thing, and, and passed away. But but she she just loved that bass. And, and then I, my own mandolin, my wife was helping me get ready for a gig one time. And I set my mandolin down on the garage floor and I set my laptop computer, which was from Bell at the time. And it was, I think it was one of those brand new uh, Toshiba laptops. And I think when they first came out, they were like $7,000, you know? (laughs) And and so I had the laptop sitting there and my mandolin case. And fortunately, fortunately, I made the mandolin case and it was a double case and it had two mandolins in it. And the van backed right over the top. My wife did this. She didn't realize it at the time, it, yeah. you know, but she backed right over the laptop and the mandolin case. And both mandolins survived. The one, the one mandolin cracked it about seven places, but I took it apart and repaired it. You couldn't even tell it um, where the uh, laptop didn't survive quite no. that well. No, they say the laptop, I don't think uh, you, you can't wood glue. Other than like not like instruments, computers are not just wood wire and glue holding them together. Lots of ones exactly. and zeros. They need the ones and zeros in there, and you, they yeah. all leaked out when it when it got ran over. But yeah, but they, no, that it's funny because uh, you know, and I really do mean it when I tell people that they say, "Well, do you think you could fix this?" And I say, "Well, you know," and I'm not trying to sound like I can do anything. That's not it. It's just that. It is just wood, wood, you know, and it's glue. And and if you take your time, it doesn't matter how bad it's splintered. You can fix it if you want it fixed. You know, yeah. the question is, do do you want to pay for it? <laughs> that's yeah. the question. Yeah, that's you know, I can fix it if you want to send it to me. There's no question I can fix it. It's just that you know, sometimes it takes a lot of hours to fix that, and of mm-hmm. course I have to do it at a pretty good rate. And uh, you know, you're going to spend a lot of money, and sometimes it's just not worth it really i mean really some of the instruments just aren't worth it now on having said that well then a lot of it's sentimental value Mm -hmm. you know and like my grandfather's old fiddle i i'm fortunate to have it and i wouldn't take a million dollars for it and it's only a maybe a 500 hundred dollar fiddle you know but i i still wouldn't take a million dollars for it you know and i can i understand that sentiment and and in that case it's worth fixing it no matter what it costs you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i I've seen there's been a, quite a few of those on your channel where you're like, and I like right. that you just off the bat are like, here's the deal. Normally this would not be fixed, but it's sentimental. And I think that's so important because a lot of us, you know, um, I'm in the like kind of younger generation, but you know, a lot of us have had you like stumble upon these instruments that maybe you didn't know were, you know, up in the attic, quote unquote. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like this thing hasn't seen the light day in years. And right now it's worth nothing because it's not playable. It's basically just right. something to look at. Might as well make it where you could, you know, like actually make it usable again. You know, if it's if it has that value. You know, some things you're like, okay, no, this is, you know, that ship has sailed. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's sometimes it's just not worth it at all. But but on the other side of that coin, so many 
so many repair shops and like music stores that repair instruments and things will tell you, no, that's not worth fixing. You just need to buy a new one when it's not true at all. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much of that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and I had one video titled that, you know, not yep. worth fixing. Yep. And it just turned out that was, that was only a, for me, for somebody who knows how to fix an instrument, that, that truly was one of the simplest fixes I ever did. And the music store told them it was not worth fixing. And it truly only took me 15 minutes to fix it. You know, I mean, it was simple, mm-hmm. and, you know, so, so you get that a lot and, and, you know, you really should get a second opinion if it's if it's an instrument that means something to you. Yeah, or even in our reality, you know, opinion where 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 you take it to start with. Because again, there's not many nowadays. There's not that many music stores that are in the like heavy repair business. You know, because I mean, sometimes right. some of the stuff is heavy repair. And so for the music store, when they tell you it's not worth fixing, they might also right. be saying it's not worth us fixing because we're not 100 percent right. sure how to do this. So if we attempt to do it one way and it gets worse. You know, so they might right. like it might be a flip of a coin. And when people say it's not worth fixing, they immediately go, oh, it's not worth any money. And the, the company might be saying, no, it's not worth us fixing. You know, it'd be like, right. you know, and they're also saying they're also saying it's not worth fixing. You need to buy a new one and we can sell you a new one. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. That's the other thing. When you go to a place that has new ones on the shelf, they're looking at it like, here's the deal. Like right now I'm going right. to make a profit on that seller right there. I'm not saying all, all music shops do that. There are great music shops out there, but it's just in their eyes. That's right. the easier in out the door, right. you know, whatever versus. Exactly. And, and you know what? I don't even really fault them for that either because they got to make a living yep, and, yep. and just, just think of the overhead they have. Yep. Oh my gosh. Oh. I mean, how they can even compete at all anymore is beyond me because the overhead is they've got, you know, they literally some of those stores have millions of dollars worth of inventory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they got huge uh, rents payments every month because they're located in a high dollar area or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just the overhead just eats them alive. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and then there's such a small profit margin. So, you know, that's why I recognize that early on uh, when the Internet hit. I thought, wow, there's no point in competing, uh, you know, trying to sell strings anymore because I can make, you know, 15 cents on a set of strings. And, uh, you know, that's that's not going to pay the bills. You know, no, you got to sell a lot of strings and you got to then you got to ship a lot of strings. And it's like you basically have a full time job of going to the post office. <laughs> Exactly. It it just didn't work out. So I decided to get out of that retail thing. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think again, it's in 2018, the internet is where, you know, it's not going to go anywhere and the ability to, you know, like for strings and little, like, you know, kind of expendable stuff. It's like, Oh, I can just go to this website, hit a button. And depending on where right. you live, it's there. Like, you know, two days later, you're like, okay, right. how can you, they have the infrastructure already built. It's not worth trying to fight up against that. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you got that right. and I think that's really cool. So what, um, we're kind of talking about off air a little bit before we got on the podcast. So one of the things right now in your video series, you're doing, you have, you are actually building, you have one custom mandolin you're building right now. You just finished one, like a couple months ago. Was it the last one you finished? Uh-huh. Up? I just finished a guitar for a fellow out in it. California. I'm, I'm almost finished with the mandolin that's going to West Virginia. I, I, it's, been hanging up drying now for almost two weeks i've got about one more week of letting it dry Mm -hmm. and then i'll stringing it up online and uh, Mm -hmm. showing what that sounds like and then it'll be shipped off to west virginia then i have yet another mandolin to build for a fellow in um england and uh, I, i haven't built that one yet either i do already have uh 
a couple of mandolins in in you know out of out of the country. Uh, I have one in uh, Japan, and uh, I've heard that one went up to Canada too, but I I don't know about that one specifically. I didn't sell it up there. Okay, but. Uh, but uh, anyway, I do have I did I got a call one night as somebody had this was right after the Internet got started good. And I had put a picture of one of my mandolins on there. And the, I, I, I please I'm not making fun of of anyone that has a, a different language. You know, that's not it. But I just I wanted to kind of give you the idea, you yeah. know, you, you think back in the 90s, you know, you don't expect a phone call where you just hear someone speaking Japanese and he's going, you know, and he's, you can't understand what he's saying, obviously, because I don't speak Japanese. So he's, he's talking. And then the only word I heard was mandolin, <laughs> you know, and I, as a mandolin, are you calling about a mandolin? And he could say yes or no, you know, and, and he, I guess he understood enough English to, to answer, you know, and anyway, bottom line is I ended up selling him a mandolin and shipping it to Japan. It was really cool. That's crazy. And that's, it's crazy that like, you know, nowadays you don't think about because of, you know, with the internet and the ability to like, you know, oh, I want to talk to someone from a different country. I can just use like Google Translate. You know, it's like, there are ways to make it accessible that a guy basically called is like, I need you to build me a custom mandolin. And the only word I can really say is yes, no, and mandolin. Like, (laughs) you know, that's, that's crazy. It worked out out great. And then somehow or another, I think I wrote him a letter or he wrote me a letter. And, 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 you know, I think we did exchange a few letters after that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I asked him in the letter, I think it was, I said, uh, well, how's the mandolin working out? Do you, uh, is it working out good? And he goes, this is what I like. <laughs> that was his answer. <laughs> You're like, perfect, perfect. But um, yeah, sure. uh, so on the, on, you know, talk about your, you know, your custom mandolins, because that's kind of what, I'm guessing you've built the most mandolins, or has it been mostly guitars? It seems like the last no, couple of years no, on the mo- channels, it's been mandolins. No, it's mostly, man- it's mostly mandolins, okay. and I think I think that's because that's what I play, and yeah. people see me out playing it, and then they buy one when they see me out playing it, you know. Yeah, and I think there's – it's also there's a – I mean there's a few other like custom mandolin makers out there, but there's not as – it's not as many, you know, and again, like you said, it's no. what you play. It's kind of what – if you watch your channel, you're going to see a lot of – mandolins is kind of the most – you know, you're going to see a lot of mandolins – then guitars, then, you know, your other kind of fun uh-huh. strained instruments that are always interesting, especially if somebody that likes to see stuff taken apart and, you know, how the insides work. It's like, oh, that's how it works. You know, sometimes I watch them going, oh, okay, now I, now I get why that, you know, how it works that way. But um, right, right now, you actually have, and I'll, there'll be a link in the description to your YouTube channel. So if you're listening, you want to, you're not subscribed, encourage you to subscribe, mostly because there's a contest at 20,000 subscribers that, um, it's a good deal. We got to get to that. Um, but, uh, yeah. um, you have a mandolin right now that's one of your custom built that you're helping uh, an older couple sell. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Right. Yeah. Uh, back in 2005, I believe it was, uh, you know, this couple came to me and they wanted to buy one of my mandolins. Actually, I think they saw me playing on stage in, I believe it was Hannibal, Missouri, if I remember correctly. Okay. And uh, anyway, they came up to me after the show and they, 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 you know, we got to talking about it and we hit it off, you know, and, and so he ended up ordering a custom made mandolin and I built it for him in, in 2005 and he came to the shop and picked it up and he was quite pleased with it and everything. And, and I didn't know him very well. So, I mean, I didn't know if he played or not, you know, and uh, turns out he, he was a, a total novice in terms of, you know, he really hadn't learned to play much. 
But it, uh, according to his wife now, apparently he was such a perfectionist that whenever he would make a mistake, he would say to her, well, people hear that, and I just don't want them to hear me making mistakes. And so he he just couldn't bring himself to get past that. Okay. And so he, he just more or less hung it up. And so it's, it's, it's basically a brand new mandolin. Well, now you fast forward 13 years, and unfortunately, the poor man has uh, some form of dementia. I don't really know. It's some kind of a memory issue. Mm-hmm. And so he's in a, he's in a care facility for that type of treatment. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look good in terms of him getting out of that. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen. And she's in an assisted living facility also. So neither one of them are living in their home. They have this mandolin. And, and if anybody's ever been around that, you you know, you got to have a little bit of feeling for that because yeah. it's terrible. It's terrible. You mm-hmm. know, it's horrible you know to go through that and then and the expense of that is just incredible i mean it you know it takes all of your if you have savings you don't have any savings anymore after you get into those kind of situations yeah so you know they they they're falling back on what they own you know and uh they own this mandolin that i built for them and so they asked me if i would buy it back or if i could find someone to buy it, you know? And I said, well, let me just see here. I think I have a, a possibility of helping you out, you know? And so sure enough, I put a video out there and, uh, you know, I sold it to them for $4,000 back in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm presently getting $6,000 for a custom made mandolin now. And the current bid on the mandolin right now that we've been auctioning off online is is up to $4,250. So that's just making me feel wonderful that they're going to get their money back. Um, I'm sure they're going to need that money and use the money, and I hope it helps them out a lot. But, uh, I, you know realistically that's not going to go very far either but on the other hand it's it's you know i always like to say it's better than a sharp stick in the eye you know yep <laughs> and, uh, there you go it's at least we're helping them out a little bit and and you know i i hope it goes to six thousand dollars is what i'm hoping but uh you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see where it goes and that'll be open till december 15th I think you yeah, were- it's, it's online. Uh, you can bid on it online up till December fifteenth. And the way we're doing it right now is, uh, you know, you just send me an email. My email address is rosastringworks at gmail dot com, and uh, we're going to, uh, you know, get it auctioned off for them. And you know, and I'm guaranteeing that the mandolin's going to be perfect when you get it. If if for some reason that you know, keep in mind, I haven't seen the mandolin since I built it. So mm-hmm. this. Totally sight unseen, and that's a dangerous thing to do. So the way I'm getting around that is I'm guaranteeing that it'll be perfect, or we'll just call it off. You know, yeah. we'll 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 just null nullify the sale, and we will either make it perfect and resell it, or you know, we'll work out some arrangement that everybody's satisfied with, one one way or the other. Yeah, I think that's great because I mean, again. So- today and, and you know, that's, all, that's all I can do. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, with the internet the way it is. It is sketchy because you don't know, you know, somebody that doesn't know what they're getting into, but being able to guarantee that. And I think you said that in the video, and you've been doing daily up, um, updates on it every about usually every morning. There's an update on like here's what the bids to, and you were saying right. that they're, they're they're working now on trying to get you the mandolin so that way, right? You know, you can start looking at it and checking it out just to make sure it's all good. But yeah, I mean, it's right. a great way because right now you're. So you're almost finished with mandolin, and then you have to start another one. So if you were somebody that was in the market for buying one, you know, one of your custom mandolins, you're basically on a list to wait. You know, at, at this stage. Right. So if it exactly. was, so if somebody's going to be able to 
basically probably unless there needs major work like before christmas get to get you know get get a mandolin right so right yeah it, it it shouldn't take long i don't expect there to be anything wrong with it but on the other hand you know i'm kind of hedging on that because i don't know and yeah. and uh anyway the bottom line is that you won't have to wait long to get a real good mandolin yeah. and i know it was well built i uh you know i was very very fortunate and you could probably count on one hand the number of people that have taken a gibson lloyd lore mandolin apart those those mandolins sell for in the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar range these days yeah. and i was able take one of those apart and then while i had it apart i measured it in thousands of inches all over so i carved my mandolins to those exact dimensions and uh it it just so happened too, also luck of the draw that the one i took apart was one of the loudest and one of the best lloyd lore mandolins there is and so you know the one i'm copying you know you can't get no better you know what i mean and So, so mine are as close to that as you can possibly get. And that is the one key thing about my mandolins and what they're known for is their volume. Um, everybody just says that. How do you build a mandolin that is that loud, you know? And the truth is, it was done back in 1924 when the, that Lloyd Lore mandolin was built, you know? And yeah. I'm more or less copying what that master did at that time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it was back in a time when it wasn't like now where it's like, oh, I need this instrument to be louder. I'll throw a pickup in it. We'll be fine. You know, yeah, it was like back exactly. then there was no technology for that. It's like how to make it louder, make it right. louder, you know, like so right. – that's... Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot to it. Uh, you know, the selection of the wood, the quality of the wood. There's there's so many things to it um, that you know we couldn't talk about it in in an hour here and get it yeah. all in. You know? Yeah. Um, but this, suffice it to say is if you understand the technology, which I feel like I do, and if you you know use high quality everything, uh, and you and you do it with a, a great amount of care, it will turn out perfect you know i mean it will turn out great and and i've really had a very good success rate with that i i I really don't like to brag on my own instruments but the truth is i will put them up against anybody's anywhere anytime any place yep yeah and i think if you and it's been fun as i've you know as i subscribed to your channel and kind of followed along when you actually get one of those custom builds it's really cool because as a viewer we get to watch from the get-go you know when you're from the start, when you have two pieces of wood that you're like, this is going to be the top, this is going to be the back, you know, right. all the way up until right. you're playing it. And so it's really cool to watch and see. And it also kind of shows you're not trying to really hide. You know, it's not like you're like, oh, I'm going to build it. You know, I, I tore this I tore right. this mandolin apart. I'm going to hide it all. Like, no, you're sitting there talking exactly what you're doing. You just know, too, like, there's not a lot of people that are like, ooh, I'm going to copy everything. And try. You know, it's like there's not a lot of people in that same market. But um, right. Well, you know, and, and to take that a step further, back when we were talking about getting an apprentice, people, that's one of my main comments is you should get an apprentice. You shouldn't let this die. You should have people that will understand it after you're gone. Well, okay, I feel like that's what I'm doing on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, you, you would not believe how many emails I get every day, every single day that say, Thank you so much. I've learned so much from your channel. I know now how to fix X, Y, Z. I can do this. I can do that. You know, da, 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 da. You, you've helped me fix this problem I've had with my guitar for 30 years, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like just about everybody out there is an apprentice in a sense. Yeah. I, and I don't, mean like, I don't mean like I know more than they know. That's not the issue. It's just that, you know, you, you can learn something from anybody. I watch other people build and repair instruments. I rarely comment on them because 
you know, I see that I know there's a thousand ways to skin every cat mm -hmm. and, and it may not be the way I would have fixed it, but then I look at it and I've learned something from what they did. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. and, and I sometimes can apply that to what I'm doing, even though I may not agree with it entirely pieces of it might be something I can use, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I look at it. I, and, and I think people look at that that way with my stuff. And, and, and recently there was kind of a, a little bit of a joke video that I put out there about, uh, you know, the people, the other comment that I get all the time is people will say, Hey, I was working on my car or I was working on yep. my house or I was I'm working on my guitar. And then I, and I got stumped and then I just stopped and I thought, what would Jerry do? <laughs> so, <laughs> That that provide that that tells me that you know people are getting some value out of this, and to, that just that just makes me feel great about it. Yeah, I think that's very true. I I we talked off air, and I literally had like last summer I bought a, like my first like nice acoustic guitar, which is still like not super nice. It was like the X series Martin, so it's a made in Mexico Martin. Had it for like mm -hmm. three or four months, and I was playing one night at our youth group. And I got done. I went to unplug, and I felt that the back had a like had split from the side, and I could uh -huh. like. And I was sitting. I'm literally. I remember like I unplugged the guitar and I hit it, and I felt it in my finger. And I'm like, oh no, like. And so like I'm flipping the guitar, we're looking at it, and I'm thinking in my head like, oh man, like what am I gonna do? Like I'm like it's under warranty. Should I send it in? But our closest, you know, Martin dealer is like an hour and a half away, and I'm like I don't want to send this. And in my head, I kind of thought, I bet I could put. I bet I could just glue that up. Like I bet I could just. <laughs> Glue it, clamp it, call it good. Glued it, clamped it, called it good, like shaved a little bit where the, where like, because it doesn't have binding, it's just got like just that kind of like that 45 over, you know, where it uh -huh. kind of had a bevel on it and done, like fixed it, never had an issue. And I'm like, man, if I had not, you know, started watching YouTube videos, yours, and you know, there's a couple other people I watch, but really yours is probably the only one I really watch religiously, like, ooh, what's, you know, what's he doing? I would have probably had to like try to take that somewhere and spend a bunch of money versus just being like, glue clamp done you know <laughs> uh -huh. yeah so i think that's and it's really important to like be able to do that and i think your point about having basically your youtube channel is a lot of people who are doing it on their own now and kind of being that apprentice is a really good way to look at it you know that it's something yeah, that, and i i don't i don't put disclaimers out there that say don't try this don't do that I will occasionally say, hey, this is something you should be careful with because, you know, you can ruin this if you do yeah. it the wrong way. You know, I will occasionally say that, but I don't put, you know, I figure, you know, we're all grown ups here. You know, if you want to try it, it's your business, you know, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not worried about, you know, like getting sued or anything. I mean, I don't have anything anyway. You want what I got, you can have it, you know. <laughs> um, you know it's uh I'm not, I'm just not worried about that. Some people talk to me about liability is even on this auction, you know, they're going, boy, you're taking on a lot of liability, you know, uh, saying that that's going to be a perfect mandolin. I'm going, I just told you, you know, if it's not perfect, we'll call it off. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. I think you're I see no liability at all. You know, yeah. I, you know, yeah, so it's just, it's just a, an attitude, I guess I have of just, you know, I, I like everything to just be more or less practical and common sense. Let's mm -hmm. just get down to the bottom line here. You know, let's not worry about all that stuff that could happen. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the common sense uh, attitude is kind of what you I definitely see in some of these repairs on some of these older instruments. Because there's been one that's like, oh, this is like, you know, and I love your attitude of just like, I think this is like 1910s. You know, some channels and some people would be like, well, here is that guitar. Like, oh, my gosh, it's worth all this money, blah, blah. And you're like. Well, it's broke right now. Like, I'm going to fix it. doesn't matter if it's two weeks old or 150 yeah. years old. Like, I'm going to repair it the same way. Now, 
right. you know, maybe if it's like a, you know, like a super new guitar, you might be like, well, this might be a little more extreme, but you know, whatever. But it's like, I think that the attitude of like, when it's broke, it's broke and it needs to get fixed. Doesn't matter. Like if I have to, you know, like kind of do something invasive to it, you know, right. and it's like, yeah. what, you know, what good is it? And I think that's a, uh, that's an important thing to think about with, especially with stuff like instruments. Cause really, you know, and as weird as this sounds like, people do put a lot of emphasis on like certain instruments and why those, those are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you're like, it is wooden right. glue. Like, you know, yeah. And I think, well, I, I also put out a video talking about that exact same thing. And I, and the way I think I put it was something like this is, you know, the instrument, it has a certain value to it. Maybe it's a $10,000 instrument or whatever, but to me personally, the real value is in the memories the mm-hmm. real value is in who owned it, who played it. Yep. And like, for instance, my grandfather's fiddle, it, you know, it's worth, it's priceless to me, but it's priceless, not because of the fiddle itself. It's because of what it represents. Yeah. And, you know, it's not the fiddle that puts the, uh, the um, magic in, into the music. It's the person that puts the magic in the music. Mm-hmm. You know, the instrument is just their means to do it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, you know, it's you know don't get me wrong i i i cherish these old instruments don't get me wrong but yeah. on the other hand you can only go so far with that it's really more about who owned it who you know what's it mean to that person and you know what's you know all of that is way more important to me than than the specific instrument itself yeah yeah it's a good point well jerry um There'll be links in the description. I always like to remind. I'm saying that mostly to remind myself to put links in the description on this podcast. So if you are not if you are not subscribed, make sure to check that out, Jerry. I know you probably have like 1,500 repairs to do today because you basically run nonstop. Um, so right. um, thanks again for coming on and hanging out. Uh, again, check his YouTube channel out. And there's not just guitar stuff. If you are my actual brother-in-law, he is kind of he goes down like I go down guitar tangents on YouTube. He goes down like building your own lumber mill. And I say that because you right. have a whole thing about building your own saw sawmill. Um, so right. I, I was saying something yeah. about your channel. And goes like, oh yeah, I watched that one. <laughs> and it was yeah, funny. and I, I've also uh, built uh, you know all kinds of things for my skid steer, like a log splitter. Yeah, and uh, you know a hydraulic brush hog, and all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I, growing up the way I did with my dad having that lawn service, you know, I learned how to work on lawnmower engines when I was in the fourth grade, mm-hmm. and I I could actually repair a total breakdown repair every bit of the lawnmower engine you know including Mm -hmm. the cylinders the pistons everything you know the valves everything and so when you learn that early on it just comes second nature to you you know and you just learn to do all that stuff so and i and i enjoy doing that that to me that's kind of relaxing for me is doing some of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. versus versus working in the shop all day long every single day you know yeah yeah i guess for me it is a different you know like for some people, like I, I work as a mechanic, so like when I'm when I'm not at work, I really hate working on my own like cars and stuff. But I will right. totally be okay with like tinkering around in my basement on a guitar because it's not right. a car. <laughs> so right. if you work on guitars all day, you're probably like, right. I'll change the oil on anything. I got to do something else. <laughs> right, exactly. So so yeah, it's not just guitars. So if you're kind of wondering, well, what else is there? There's a whole lot of I I said check out the channel, subscribe to it. Um, and like I said, I also like your style of video. I like it. It is just very to the point, you know, not a lot of frill. And also if you like bluegrass music, it's the greatest videos because you always have really great. Most of the stuff that you've actually recorded yourself 
or you know either of you or, or of your band um playing right. and i like bluegrass music so i've like when i first started watching i was like oh this is great like i'm listening to you know i can put this on sometimes i'll put a video on kind of in the background while i'm doing something else because i'm like i'll listen to the music <laughs> <laughs> well thank you i appreciate it but yeah but again uh well, i've been I've enjoyed talking to you on this, and uh, I hope you got something out of it. I hope the uh, listeners uh, got something out of it. Yeah, I think, like I said, I got something out of it, so that's, we'll be selfish on this one. I, if it's just for me, I don't care. Jerry, hang on. We'll uh, talk here as we get off the air. But, again, this is Bips and the Ginger Podcast. You know how we finish these things. Bye.